welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to another, another episode of Three In, Three Out, your unique look at your beloved Seattle Seahawks. I am your fired up host, Clinton Bonner. I'm on the road. I am cross country, but joined on the road from Brandon Schultz. Brandon, I know you're on the road. I know you're driving. I think you're in, uh, I think you said Idaho. I believe it wasn't Iowa. I think it was Idaho. But how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. How are you feeling sitting at 11 and 3? 11 and 3, and I am in one of the I states. It is Idaho. It's not Iowa. It's not Ireland. It's not Iceland. I am super fired up, Clinton, because our Seahawks are 11 and 3. Not only are they 11 and 3, but they are in the playoffs with the win over Carolina, with the Rams loss to the Cowboys. And so knowing that our Seahawks are going to be in the playoffs, and then to watch the San Francisco 49ers fall to the Atlanta Falcons in the closing seconds, it means we're back in the number one seed for the playoffs. A magical couple of hours there, right? We'll, we'll, of course, get to the Seahawks game. And yes, we won by six. And yes, we were on the road. And yes, we had like a thousand different people on defense not available to us. And and then we get that beautiful catch by, by Julio. He is over the line. Everybody's celebrating. We see the fantastic photo from the Seahawks playing later. It was just awesome. And now we've got this this convoluted, you know, there's all these teams jammed up. And you know what? It's kind of it's kind of neat. If I, I've been trying to do the math, and that's that's not usually my strong suit. All I know is if we end up tying the Packers and the Saints, we're the number one because that's how it is right now, and that's and that's that's how I like it. So very very excited to get going. We have a beautiful three in three out for all the flockers out there and all the fanatics, and we're gonna dive into it. Of course, we'd love for you to follow us out on social media. You can find me at Clinton Bond out on Twitter. Brandon, tell the good folks where they could uh, they could corral you, uh, you know, obsess over you, ping you, DM you, IM you, all the M's. Where can they find you? Well, first of all, you can subscribe to the show at sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts and follow on Twitter at Seahawkers pod. Yeah. If you don't want to be a creep about it, just just subscribe. But if you want to get a little dark and a little seedy, then you do the IMs, the DMs, you find them on Slack, you, you send some things. But, you know, maybe just subscribe at first and then ease your way into the relationship with Brandon. He won't bite hard. But here we are, folks. We are, we are going to dive into, of course, those buttery nooks and those delicious crannies that hold all the good juices of another Seahawks victory while we're at 11 and 3. And, you know, we got to say this too, 7 and 1 on the road. Say what you will. I know, I know the schedule hasn't been, you know, a crazy hard road schedule. It doesn't matter. We didn't make the schedule. Seven and one, breaking our records. So, Brandon, before we even dive into the ins and the outs, anything you want to say about, about this, this road warrior team that we've seen perform in the 2019 season? It bugs me, though, that that one loss had to come to the stinking Rams uh, in their home stadium. I, I would have loved to uh, put that one loss somewhere else. And, and get the win down in L.A., but uh, I know we can't do that now. It's in the past. 7-1, and one, still a franchise record. I'm going to be happy. And you, Clinton, you talk about the nooks and the crannies. And mm. so what that means for listeners, for new listeners of 3 and 3 Out, it means we're not going to talk about the things that you hear most of the time coming out of a Seahawks game. And so I think the big plays like that Josh Gordon 58 yard reception downfield what an amazing catch and it just it brings me to that news that uh, we haven't talked about on the field goals podcast yet of Josh Gordon being suspended and just kind of what a bummer that is uh, what was your reaction when you saw that come down yeah just some just some sadness all around it it's 
It stinks. The guy, you know, just one of those things where the guy is so talented. I also don't know what he's getting busted for. And, you know, I, I have my own my own personal views on on some of those substances that I, that I think uh, ought to be legalized by now. And if it's just that thing, man, I feel for the dude. I just I just, you know, everybody's like, I hope he gets well. I, I hope that, too. I just hope he's able to shine again in, in some capacity. The guy the guy is a star and I hope he's able to shine again. And, I'm, you know, who knows if he gets another chance at it. I, I, I will always look at the flip side, too, and say, well, you know, who's next? You know, like. What what are we what are we gonna do now? We we've seen we've seen some goodness from Malik Turner, although it's been a little bit erratic. Uh, I'm not the biggest uh, David Moore fan, and I don't think I don't think he's you know I don't think he's the answer at number three. We have John Ursua, who we haven't tapped at all yet, so I'm just very excited to see. Hey, we got these two weeks left. Gordon is not going to be WR three. Who do we think is going to step up? And I think that's going to be one of the cooler things to watch as we head into the playoffs. We will watch that going forward. And if it is Josh Gordon's last catch in a Seahawks uniform, holy smokes, what a catch. Yeah, a damn a damn good one. I thought for certain, there, I thought he overshot him by about 10 yards, and I thought there was no way he'd come down with the ball, and then somehow magic fingers himself, Josh Gordon, comes down with it, and it, what, a, what a damn catch. So yeah, we wish him well. Uh, that was a huge catch. And I hope I hope it's, it's something that we are looking back on while we're while we're celebrating a big big victory in the playoffs. If you could catch my gist, well, maybe uh, just maybe a bonus in as we go into the actual ins, Clinton, because this is three in three out. And when the Seahawks win, we start with an in. That's the only rule we have, Brandon. You nailed it. When we win, we start with an in. Let's hop on over to our big first in right now. All right, Brandon, I think you got your your Mama Cleo glasses on once again, or that, that do-rag that Mama Cleo liked to wear, and the, the crystal ball she liked to rub to see a little bit of the future. And you're right, on three in, three out, we're not going to dive in to say, okay, you know, that 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 play by, uh, by Gordon was magnificent. However, I do want to just extract up maybe a level higher and say my first big in, it does go to the to the SDBs. We saw the pure... And the beautiful return of the sexy deep balls. <laughs> and man, oh man, like whether that's Mama Cleo's crystal balls or Russell Wilson's dimes on these deep balls, it is such a game changer. When we have our deep game working, this is a completely different offense. So you had the first one in Q1 to lock it. You, of course, had the one that we touched on to Gordon. The Metcalf touchdown was about a 19-yarder. There was another touchdown that was that was pretty long as well. I think the other one to lock it as well. But there were multiple, multiple deep passes downfield. And one of those things that's just like Russ continues to be the best deep throw in the game. So the return, it's been a couple of weeks since we saw some SDBs. It was bright. It was sunny. It was a clean field. And the SDBs were on full display. That's my first in. That one to lock it in the first quarter, the 44-yarder. I thought for sure that was going to end up in the hands of the Carolina Panthers defensive back. And just how it slipped through his arms and into the hands of Tyler Lockett. What concentration by Lockett. The dude is back. And I love to see Tyler have a huge game against the Panthers. Yeah, it was It was certainly just so refreshing to see. And the thing is, too, it wasn't... It wasn't like we didn't know about this. We've been talking about it for weeks. And I think last week on the pod, we were like, hey, like, I think actually it was. It was one of the ins. It was kind of a, a little, you know, we got our butts whipped by by the Rams, which by the way, let's 
we like to take a pause and recognize when the Rams get there, get their asses kicked. So we will say thank you to the Cowboys. It's a rare, rare thing that we're going to thank the Cowboys, but hey, Cowboys just destroying the Rams to kind of taking their souls al- along with them. Great job and, and put the Rams right back in their place, which is uh, right now a uh, third place. So back to Lockett, we did hit on it last week and it was one of my ends saying, hey, I know he didn't have a huge game, but he looked like he had his shiftiness back. He looked like he had his just his quickness and his ability to find zones, his ability to, to just to be in places that 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 DBs and, and safeties and, and linebackers are not getting to. Boy, oh boy, was that on display. And yeah, I mean, Brandon, you nailed it. Russ, Russ lays that thing out. And I think every Seahawks fan is going, oh, dude, that that's that's an interception. Like that is going to get picked off. Somehow it's like just a half a step beyond the DB. And somehow it is just a half a step into Lockett's arms as he crosses in front of him for that, you know, that massive SDB. Beautiful job, beautiful touch, had me fired up. And again, when Russ has, you know, a bit of a pocket, when he could step up, when he could launch the ball, it is a game changer for this team. And it was so refreshing to see because that is what got us out to that blazing start. Okay, Brandon, this is three in, three out. There, you know, we're always going to look at that sober yin, the raging yang. You know, we win the game 32-24. We had the missed extra point. That's, of course, frustrating. You know, they, they creep back in the game. We'll get into some of that, I think, a bit later. And whatever. I'm not even mad at the defense because they're playing prevent with basically no, you know, a bunch of starters out of there. But but there there were just certain moments, certain things that we 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 hearkened back to last week to talk about Lockett looking really good and like starting to look like himself. And then it really, really came through this week. I want to go back again to last week. One of the biggest outs we talked about, the most frustrating out was the inability to stop runs on the edge and specifically to stop jet sweeps. We could not for the life of us stop jet sweeps. So then you fast forward, which right now is a rewind to last Sunday and the Panthers, well, they have four different jet sweeps in the first half. Whether it was uh, whether it was Samuel, whether it was DJ Moore, and lo and behold, what it did was set up that that McCaffrey touchdown where they just runs a little inside trap, and at that point, with a little bit of motion, we have no chance of stopping that. I, I mean, there is so much tape out there. My big big fear is there's so much tape out there right now that is basically telling the entire NFL this team cannot cover the jet sweep and is really not that good. On some of the edge, you know, the edge rushing plays as it is. You want to go up the middle? Good luck. You want to go tempt Puna and Reed and you know Firearms himself? They are locking those things down. But the edges and specifically against jet sweeps when they bring in motion, we are getting burnt and we got burnt again. That's a quick out for me, Brandon. I just, I just, it reminded me of the Rams game and that Rams game sucked. So this sucked too, and that's an out for me. Well, I think it does have a lot to do with the Seahawks defensive alignment, right? Because they really want to bottle up that middle of the field to really stop teams from running up the middle on them. And so I'm I'm thinking that when they do that, that's really starting to expose them on the edges and for the offense to take advantage of it. It totally makes sense to me that they would do that. But I feel like the Seahawks also, they need to have some kind of counter for that, some kind of expectation now that teams have started to expose 
expose that because I think we really started to see them do this in the game against the 49ers. And there weren't a lot of jet sweeps that the 49ers tried to uh, use to attack the Seahawks defense, but we did see it against the Rams and now we've seen it against the Carolina Panthers. So I think that it's something that we're going to have to expect the team to see in games moving forward when they do show that that type of alignment that they aren't going to run up the middle or just be better at, at stopping the run up the middle. It was another frustrating day of that for me because they did it. They, they just ran it play after play after play. It felt like again, but we did see them get away from that in the second half. And really the defense on a whole, it is tough to be two down on the defense when going into the fourth quarter, they had only allowed 10 points. For sure. And, you know, we don't have our two starting defensive ends and we don't have a starting yeah. corner who's who's playing at a Pro Bowl level. So and we lose we lose a safety in the third quarter, I believe, with Diggs with his ankle and Bobby gets dinged. So like no doubt about that. And it was it was 30 to 10. So, you know, that game should <laughs> that game should have ended, you know, somewhere around there. And it did not. And that's and that's what it is. And I still have that that persistent fear that when we see the Niners in two weeks, Let's say they overload uh, Kittle on the left-hand side. They bring some bodies over there. And lo and behold, they bring Debo Samuel in motion, jet sweep to the right-hand side. I'm just, I'm sitting there going, man, oh man, if, if, I'm, if I'm Shanahan and I'm looking, at, I'm looking at what's been put on film, I am loading up on jet sweeps until they show that we could stop it. So big fear for me, two weeks in a row getting burnt by it. It's got to be an out. Brandon, I like what you just said. I hope that they 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 see what we're seeing. I'm sure they do, and they just figure out ways in which they could combat that and mitigate it. So if if a team like the Niners does try it, we're just better at it. All right, Brandon. So we are back on the inside the ledger. We did talk a little bit about the offense being like just pretty damn sharp in that, especially in that first half, really getting out of the gate strong and having some some killer drives. And there's a dude, I don't think he's being overlooked so much. I certainly think he has the respect of the Seahawks fans, but he has some of these low-key games where he's still super effective. And I'm bringing this in, in much like last week, we talked about Carson still running hard, still getting some seven-yard clips. And you, you were calling me out and saying, hey, you know, that that's a terrible in, in in this loss versus the Rams. But I was kind of bringing that in because I was like, hey, next week versus Carolina, Carson's going to go off. It's a better matchup. And lo and behold, Carson goes off. So I want to do the same type of thing here. Hollister. Hollister early. He had some early second down conversions where he's catching the ball out of the backfield, kind of hitting the flat, couple in a row. I think he only had three catches or like three for three, three targets, three catches. I think they were all front loaded, but he was a huge, huge component of the first and second drive when we got points on, on both of those. So for me, Hollister gets an in this game, and it might be kind of like, whoa, there were other dudes who really shined, but that's what the nooks and the crannies are all about. But I want to spin this forward a bit and say our next opponent, the Arizona Cardinals, are dreadful, dreadful against tight ends. I was listening to some uh, to some fantasy podcasts. They were extrapolating uh, tight ends uh, production versus the Cardinals this year. And if you took like Gronkowski's best year, like his his just his most elite year uh, within the last, whatever that was, five or seven years of his career there. And you show exactly what the production has been versus the Cardinals this year for the tight end position. It's pretty much identical. It's, it's, it's some magic grits happening right there. So it's like, basically, whoever the tight end is, is exposing the Cardinals. I love the way we're using Hollister. I like that he was involved super early. He got, you know, he took a couple of big hits too. He kind of bounced right back up. 
I'm giving the in for his, for his gutsy performance for this game, but I want to spin it forward and say, I think that dude is, is getting pay dirt versus the Cardinals. And I think he has a really good chance to be somewhere between like seven to eight catches next game and be a stud next game. So, and one more thing, he also went over 40 catches for the year. This is a dude who started on the practice squad. This is a dude who, you know, when Disley went down, we're, we're head scratching going, what are we going to do? He just went, I think he got like his 40 and 41st reception this year. That's a pretty damn good year. And he's got two games to go. I'd bet my bottom dollar he'll end up over 50. And I think he's going to be huge next week versus the cards. Okay, Clinton, I'm, I'm cool with you giving the in to Jacob Hollister, especially going over 40 catches in the season when he's coming in for relief duty, essentially partway into the season. That is a, a, a huge thing. For the young tight end, for a guy that when we looked at him in preseason and when he didn't make the final 53, it wasn't necessarily that much of a surprise. But the fact that you're still stewing over the fact that I called you out for your Chris Carson in uh, a week ago and, and trying to justify that and, and squeezing in Hollister as far as looking forward to next week. I mean, that's kind of weird to me because uh, Chris Carson, you know, on a week where it was difficult to find ins, I understood. But this was a week where the, the Seahawks scored 30 points. You should have no problem finding an in, and you don't have to point to the fact that Jacob Hollister deserves an in in preparation for a big game next week against the Cardinals and trying to justify your pick from last week. Listen, listen, just like you're Mama Cleo before, and you, you know, you're, you're, you're calling these things, I'm setting these things up. This is, this is, <laughs> You know, the, we go back to the, the to the yin and the yang. It's it's not some it's not some singular event. This is a season, Brandon. This is a season. We're we're cooking up. We're eleven and three, and we want to give the people out there more more to chew on than just you know just the just the average bear is going to deliver. So I hear what you're saying. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna just put it out there and say once again when we talk. I said it last week. I was like when we talk next week, Carson's gonna ball. I'm putting it out there saying, hey, Hollister is doing his thing. He goes over forty. We talk next week. I, here's here's my bet. When we talk next week, Hollister's not even an in because he's so damn obvious. He's, he he wouldn't be a nook or a cranny, and I'm fired up for it. The Mama Cleo podcast coming to your feed soon. Also coming up, we are going to be talking about penalty Yahtzee. That's right. It'll be coming up after the break in our From the Flock segment. Roll it. All right, Brandon, we're back on that outside of the ledger. Listen, listen, there, you know, again, the final score is 30 to 24. We're 11 and three. We're seven and one on the road. We clinch a playoff spot. And yet there are these things that kind of sting, that kind of just sit there and go, man, oh man, I just, I wish, I wish, I wish we could do some things like some of the other teams we're seeing. Now, hey, I'm not going to go into the fourth and one, whatever that was when, when we took the points. I actually liked taking points at that point of the game to extend it to 13. I know all the analytics says you go for it there. And I know Lamar Jackson and Harbaugh would have went for it there. Guess what? That ain't us. However, I will say there are other opportunities. So I want to dial it back a little further. Man, we, we don't got to win games in the third quarter and we don't got to wait to the fourth quarter to win games. This week, Brandon, let's set the stage. It's 20 to seven. It's kind of late second quarter. We're at a second and 10. We had, I think we had an incomplete pass. I'm sure it was an incomplete pass on first down. Again, it's 20 to seven, second quarter. We're really dominating the game. We had not been stopped yet. The only thing that it was remotely bad was a, uh, a, a doink of a, an extra point by Myers. That's the only thing that really had gone wrong to that point from an offensive standpoint. We get to second and 10. 
And I'm sitting there. I think my daughter's right next to me. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally going, don't hand the ball off. Don't hand the ball off. Don't throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. <laughs> and as much as I, lo- as I love Chris Carson, second and 10, little draw to Car- Carson, he gets blown up for a big, big loss. That's the first punt for us. We end up punting from like midfield. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just mad is what it is. I'm just like, man, oh man, at, at some point, at some point, can we let Russ just go win a game super early, not have to go make a great throw and third and 11 when they've climbed back in the game and are now within one score? Couldn't we just put the pedal to the friggin' metal and make it 27 to seven before the half, as opposed to kind of just tiptoeing through the tulips and hand the ball off there? Listen, I know, I know all the stats. I, I know I went in knowing that Carolina is very bad against the run. And Carson, of course, had a huge day, but it's second and 10. We are throttling these dudes with sexy deep balls. Have some gumption. Put the game away. Put the ball in Russ's hands to do it super early. Huge out for me. I just, I just can't get over that. And I wish we were a bit more aggressive earlier in games. Yeah, it is okay sometimes when you throw an incomplete pass on first down to go ahead and try and pass again on second down. Like, there's no rule that you have to run the ball to try and gain yards after not getting any yards. But I know it fits into that philosophy of Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer. They want to get some yards to not have to have a third and long. But I feel like there's other teams that are dialed into that, too. If they if they see the Seahawks throw an incomplete pass, they're expecting the run on second down. And that's, I think, what the Carolina Panthers were expecting in that situation. And then you end up in a third and long anyway. That's that's exactly. I mean, like, I mean, you you know it. I know it. Now, kind of midway through the year, we, we, we actually were calling out a couple times. It was like, whoa, second and 10 after an incomplete pass. We threw the ball. We talked about Hollister earlier. Hollister had these catches super early. And then he kind of faded as the game went on. But man, oh man, like th- that's that's exactly, I mean, yes, there's other ways to go get five, six, seven yards and make it third and manageable without having to be like, oh, okay, we didn't connect on first down, let's hand the ball off. And and again, I think there's so much tape and so much like probability that that's what the Seahawks are going to do, that you're exactly right. Even a, even a bad defensive team that cannot stop the run could be like, well, chances are they're just going to hand this off to Carson. So let's tee up on that. If we get burnt, so what? Then it's probably a check down for six, seven yards, and then then we're into a third down anyway. So for me, Brandon, I think you nailed it, man. I, I don't know if a tiger or a zebra or any striped animal for that matter, or you know, it could be it could be a fish, it could be anything. I guess fish are still animals. Anything that has stripes on it, maybe some like juicy stripe, you know, that that gum that goes away in five seconds. I'm not sure that it's gonna change its stripes, but but boy, oh boy, would I love again if we're throttling a team and it's first down and it's incomplete. Give it to Russ. Let Russ just put the game away and be the master that he is. Clearly, he was on point. It's a beautiful day out there in Carolina. Just let him go win the game early so we don't have these stress fractures on the heart late in games like we always seem to have. Brandon, we got one more in. This one is this one I love. It's juicy. It's delicious. You had mentioned it earlier. You had said, hey, when the fourth quarter started, it was 30 to 10. And I want to give some love to a particular player here. I mentioned Puna earlier. I mentioned Reed earlier, bottling things up on the inside. You know, but there was a DB out there. There was a DB that really stood out. When we don't have Griffin, when Diggs gets hurt, there was another guy who stepped up. And that's that's Bradley McDougal. I thought McDougal played 
out of his tree really, really strong. And we talked a bit ago that with Diggs back there, and because of just how damn solid he is, it really frees McDougald up to do more things around the line of scrimmage, be more aggressive. And I think that was really shining through for me. So Brandon, I'll pass it to you on this one. How'd you feel about McDougal's play? Do you think he's deserving also of that in? How'd you feel about Bradley? Yeah, one of the unsung heroes probably of this game because you had the linebackers showing out so solidly with interception from Bobby Wagner. You had the two interceptions from KJ Wright. You have Bobby Wagner with 10 tackles. You had Cody Barton in there with 10 tackles. But when you look at the solo tackles, it was Trey Flowers, and and that makes sense because he was outside on DJ Moore, but it was Bradley McDougal. Six tackles overall, but four of those solo tackles. So a uh, big props to to McDougal for having, you know, having that number two spot in solo tackles and being, you know, right behind the linebackers when it comes to tackles on the day. Yeah, and, pl- and plenty of opportunities delivered up by by uh, by Kyle Allen because they weren't throwing the ball deep until late in the fourth quarter. So it's a lot of these outs, it's a lot of these a lot of these checkdowns where you got to tackle. You know, like you, if you don't tackle, it's big plays, and these are shifty dudes. You know, we're talking about Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and McCaffrey. These are shifty dudes. So again, some love for McDougald where where otherwise he might be overlooked. Love the play, love what he brings to the table, and excited to see what he's going to do these last two games and what McDougald always brings week in, week out. All right, speaking of outs, we got our last out here, Brandon. Hey, I know you're on the road. Did you get a chance to catch the game last night? Did you watch Saints-Colts at all? I was out when it came to to Saints-Colts because as soon as I had a chance to catch the game, I tuned to it, and it was 17 to nothing, and I said, uh, I I don't need to bother with this anymore. That's a true fact, and I'll tell you why it was 17 to nothing, because at some point, I don't know, it was maybe like whatever it was, midway through the first quarter or like midway through the second quarter, whatever it was, and and Booger points out with, I think it's uh, Testarone, did I get that right this time? Is it? Is it- Tessator. Testator. I think there was a guy I went to high school with, Testarone. Well, I'll I'll have to fact check that, but uh, I I had a very Italian, very Italian American high school. So there was lots of, uh, lots of Buquicchios and lots of Napolitanos and Intanos and the rest. So, and I'm pretty sure there was a Testarone as well. So Testator, the Tesseract himself and Booger, they're talking about uh, the New Orleans Saints defense. And at some point they're like, oh yeah, uh, incredible stat. They're like, the Saints have blitzed on seven of nine dropbacks for Brissett. I'm like, what? Like they blitzed seven out of the first nine times on Brissett. So with that, my out is like this again. It's about that that being aggressive. We got this. We got Kyle Allen. Clearly can't do nothing. It's the third quarter. It's twenty to ten. It's now third and two. We get to a third and two situation because the play before is that play. Remember where, where, uh, when Cody Barton comes charging in like John Candy down the hill in stripes and he's screaming in his face and he makes Kyle Allen get rid of it right away. And it, you know, it's an incomplete pass and it goes to third and two. The very next play, we just drop back into like this. I'm not sure if it was a three man rush. It certainly, it certainly wasn't more than four. And we put zero pressure on him. We, we allow them to get an easy, easy conversion. And I, juxtapose that from how I watch the Saints play and, and how aggressive they are, specifically being like down, you know, we didn't have that many dogs. Why don't we just dial up a blitz? Why don't we bring the heat on the Kyle Allens of the world who are showing us that any damn time you put any pressure on them, they crumble, they make a bad decision, they throw it directly to KJ Wright, like they do dumb things. And yet 
key part of the game. It's on, we're only up by 10, quarter three. We just have a big disruption. On our third down, we kind of let them walk. We let, we let them get an easy check down for like five, six yards. They move the chains. I can't, again, it's, it's the same type of thing for me, Brandon, where I, I can't stand the passiveness on the offensive side at times and on the defensive side, same thing. I can't stand when we get passive, when it's so clear that just be more aggressive, get in a dude's face, make Goff be Goff, make Allen be Allen, and make these bad QBs cough up the ball. Well, especially in the fourth quarter, when you're up 20 points, it does give you a little bit more freedom to really send some guys and and make it tough for Allen rather than just allowing him to drop back, find the open guy in the zone, and make the completion. That that second-to-last touchdown drive where it took him, what, a minute, 11 seconds to completely drive down the field? You're, yep. giving, you're giving Kyle Allen the freedom to drive down in one minute? That's inexcusable in a game like this. you got to stay aggressive and finish the game out. And fortunately, they did that with the offense with three minutes left. But don't even let it get that close. It's okay to blow out teams. And that's one of the things that the Saints showed us. They've been in close games all year. They get a blowout against the Indianapolis Colts. Come on, Seahawks. You can blow teams out too. Yeah, and it's it's, it's exactly, I mean, you're nailing it, man. And I, I know Carroll lives for this. I know he loves it. I know he likes to burn timeouts for no damn reason to make things harder too. And he has all these little idiosyncrasies about him and we're 11 and three and he's the best damn coach we ever had. And he got us the Lombardi. We know all this already. And it still is what it is that we could put the freaking pressure on when we're up big and just, you know, if it's 30 to 10, what's wrong with a pick six there to make it 36 to 10. And then hopefully Myers bangs one through, like what is wrong with that? What's wrong with putting them into like a, a fourth and 17 and getting a turnover on downs. That's the difference, man. We let these mediocre teams back in. And again, maybe it's just this practice to, to know that when we play the Niners, we play the Saints, it's going to be close no matter what. So we, so we just got to be really good when it's close. And I don't know, maybe that's just Pete's philosophy, but man, oh man, it's like, it's like a three goal lead in hockey. They say in, in, a, you know, in, in, in professional hockey, the hardest lead to protect is a three nothing lead. You let your guard down. The other the other team make has to score the next goal, otherwise it's lights out. Maybe that's the Seahawks when we get up too big. But I'm just freaking sick of it. Okay, Brandon, that brings us on over to our favorite segment. Of course, it's from the flock, and this is this is the best part. We do a little flock sourcing. We got we got different avenues that people could could talk to us. If you're out on Twitter and you're following at Clinton Bond or following at Seahawkers Pod. Then you can hashtag 3i3o and tweet us at during the game. We'll see them on Twitter. Of course, another way to do it, perhaps even a better way, is to go over to getintheflock.com and become a patron of the Seahawkers podcast and, and get all the content that Brandon and team are putting out. And this way you can be invited into the, the Seahawkers pod ring of honor on Facebook, get invited to the Slack channel. But no matter how you're doing it, whether you're freeloading or you're not, it's all good. We're going to take all the ins and all the outs, and we're going to discuss all the ins and all the outs from the flock. So I'm going to start one right now from Agent of Bolas, Christopher Ralph, out on Twitter. He goes, in to George Fant for catching the ball. He goes, yeah, sure, he was out of bounds, but who cares? Let's imagine it's a TD. You know, Chris, I like that. You know, it's nice to see Fant out there. I, I hope I hope we get to see Fant actually catch one this year. But who cares? Let's imagine it was a TD. Brandon, I like this line of thinking from Chris. Why not celebrate it? 
I love that. I love the play, and I love the fact that Fant, even though he knows Russell Wilson's throwing it away, the fact that he was close enough that he was going to dive for it and show that he could catch the football, he's going to put that on tape no matter what. He wants the ball, and hopefully in the future he's going to score. And one of my favorite plays from the game, and it wasn't even an actual play, uh, I love the end going to George Fant. Mark Misselbrook at Mark Misselbrook on Twitter. He also had that for an in, but for his out, he had Mike Upati for ruining holding Yahtzee by not getting called for a holding penalty in this game. Everybody else had one. Mike Upati out of the group and five penalties, 40 yards. Yeah, we could have maybe afforded to have that one extra penalty just to have the holding Yahtzee. Yeah, sometimes you want to have a holding Yahtzee. It's you know, you might, it's like you got to catch them all. Might as well complete the set, right? And I'll also say this about the refs. Hey, refs, go back and watch that Dwayne Brown holding penalty because the dude, the dude slips, and Brown just puts his giant paw into his shoulder and does not hold him as Chris Carson blasts around the edge. You call that a hold? Yeah, bad job, refs. Yeah, that had the potential to allow the Carolina Panthers to get the ball back one last time in this game when the Seahawks should have finished off that drive a whole lot earlier. Fortunately, Russell Wilson goes to Tyler Lockett on the third down to help seal the game. Chris Carson gets another big first down after that to actually seal the game. But those you know, phantom holding calls, that, that had the potential to make this a lot more difficult. And with the Jason Myers missed extra point on the first touchdown of the game, it really could have uh, been bad news for the Seahawks if if somehow Carolina were to get the ball back. Yeah, it was just, it became one of those moments where you're like, you're, you're sunk back into the couch. You're like, no, 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 no. Come on, just just get this first down. They got the extra first downs that they that they had to go get. And I use that plural because of the, these phantom holding calls, uh, but they made it happen. Russ comes through. He's like, all right, if I got to do it in the fourth quarter, then, you know, this is what Coach Pete wants. And this is what Coach Pete's going to get. Uh, speaking of what we want, what we get, Hong, Hong Kong Hawk, he was throwing this out in the Slack channel. He goes, opening drive touchdown, question mark, followed by holding on the Panthers and to go to a three and out. And he's like, don't mind if I do. Really a head scratcher for us because, you know, we, we don't have huge success in opening drive touchdowns. But Hong Kong Hawk calling out and saying, you know, let's see some more of that. All right. I've gotten out from DCH Doug Chancel Harry in the ring of honor says out. Injuries are stacking up at the wrong point in the season. And, you know, that goes to the Quandre Diggs injury in this game. That goes to Bobby Wagner going down. Fortunately, it sounds like Bobby Wagner is going to be all right. But we saw Shaquille Griffin out this game. We saw Ziggy Anza sit out. Jadevian Clowney sit out. These guys are going to be players that we need, especially going into a game against the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, so it's it's this double edge. It's a little catch twenty two right now, right? To get healthy and get that by, and we and we really, I, I'm with you. I think if we let's put it this way, I think if we have to play three games in the playoffs and we do not have a home game as a consequence of it, that's gonna be some really difficult slaying for this team. And I'll, I'll stick with DCH real quick. Speaking of the some of the players that came through, he does call out Rasheem Green. Says now the leading Saki master for the Seahawks. He had a little typo. He had a he had a small typo there where. You know, where Sack became Saki, and who doesn't like sucking back on some Saki every time you get a chance? It's some good stuff, but we knew what you meant, DCH. We knew what you meant. <laughs> and out from Tim Moon, says Josh Gordon's interception. When there is one receiver defended by three defenders, there are two other receivers open somewhere. And yeah, yeah that, you know, 
Tim, I, I appreciate you pointing out the out, but I'm, I'm going to choose to just forget that play altogether. I'm going to remember the good times with Josh Gordon and that 158-yard reception. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. We don't, we've we've got to we've got to block that one out. It's it's, but you know what? It's on tape for the others to see it now, right? Maybe his <laughs> his veteran his veteran presence, as unfortunately he has to depart from the team. It's just a simple rule, you know. If your dude's covered by two or three guys and you're not Russ Wilson, yeah, just just don't don't throw the ball that way. Just just eat the ball, eat it, throw throw it out of bounds. But we did have some nice touchdowns by some wide receivers, and I've got this this spicy out by you, Brandon. You you say out. Two wide receiver touchdowns, and yet no celebrations, no dances. What was up with that? What is going on? I am of the impression that whenever a Seahawks wide receiver makes a score in the end zone, we get an amazing Seahawks touchdown celebration, and there was none of that in this game. I want my dance celebration. I want some kind of celebration. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, you guys needed to have something in the in the chamber for that one, and I am very disappointed. That definitely gets it out. I'm with you too. I want my MTV. I want my refrigerators. I, I want it all. I want I want some dances and we score some damn touchdowns by wide receiver. Next week, let's see some of those dances. All right. And in from Lisa Carlson. D-line holding up without Clowney and Ziggy. Go Puna and Jay Reed and thigh arms and eyebrows. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I love I love how she brings eyebrows into it. I mean, yeah, Rasheem Green's got he's got some he's got some of those Burt, you know, the Burt and Ernie. He's got some of those burnt <laughs> eyebrows. They they are they are classic. Thigh arms had a couple of big plays again, but yeah, we, we talked about that earlier. Interior of the line in green, they held their own. I mean, again, Lisa, Lisa, every single week, she brings a good angle we didn't talk about. So Lisa in Seattle, once again, great job by you. And in goes to you. And she also has an in for Bird Bros, killing it at football this week and helping us out. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the 49ers now have lost to the Seahawks. They've lost to the Ravens. And they've lost to the Falcons. So uh, I like this trend of the 49ers losing to bird teams. Yeah, it's it's all good things. It's just nice when the flock comes together, when you get when you get Dan Quinn just remembering where he came from and being like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna win one for Pete here. We're gonna we're gonna help them out a little bit. And maybe Dan Quinn was also like, hey, save my career while you're at it, as a as a you know, a nice sidecar to it. But thank you, Dan. Great job. Thank you, Julio. And and thank you, Maddie Mediocre, for coming through and beating those Niners. A good job all around. You know, speaking of good jobs, I got I got to give a little a little flack to the flock. In this case, to the first of his kind, Flocktimus Prime. He comes in with all outs, and he even says like, "Sorry for for my negative ass here." He's like, "Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I guess I get, that might be like a physics term." And he got negative ass, uh, but he's like, "You know, sorry for, for sorry for being so negative." But he he rattles off a couple of outs here. He goes, "We can we can." <clears throat> He goes, we continue to not capitalize on turnovers, basically saying we can demoralize our opponents, but we're just not doing it. He's also saying in not so many words that you know, throughout this entire year, albeit we're 11-3, and three, that his confidence level in this team as being a great team is just not there yet. And Keith, I, I can't come down on you too hard here. I mean, listen, I feel the same way when it when it's 30 to 24 and we're squeaking out another game versus another bad team. But let's spin that around, Keith. We are 11 and 3. Brandon, how can you pick up a flocker? Meanwhile, we're 11 and 3. What kind of words of wisdom do you have for Flocktimus? Hey, let's just close this out with an in that I know that Flocktimus will get behind. And it's from Jeremy. And it's an in for Russell freaking Wilson. And not for what you might think. 
Yes, he made some amazing throws out there, but this in is for how we got Lockett back involved and got a deep ball to Gordon. When teams have to worry about a triple threat between Lockett, also throwing DK Metcalf in there, Chris Carson on the ground, how are they going to stop us? So that, I think, is the place to leave it with because this offense is clicking. Even without Josh Gordon moving forward, you got DK Metcalf having an outstanding rookie season. You got Tyler Lockett, who's going to be going over 1,000 yards for the season. You have Russell Wilson continuing to be talked about in the MVP race. Yes, it's not over. There's still a couple games left. And Russell Wilson, could, with a couple strong games, could, could get his name back in there and back up on top. Heck yes. And let's not forget, we talked about him earlier. Put a, put a little pin. Next week when we talk again, let's revisit. How did Jacob Hollister do against Arizona? Because that, that, that dude's about to ball out and have a, you probably, probably one of his bigger games. <clears throat> and that dude's about to ball out as well. As, <clears throat> and that dude's about to ball out against the Cardinals as well. Brandon, I'm fired up. This is the home stretch. This is when we play our best ball. We got the Cardinals coming in. Listen, this is, we talk about Mama Cleo all game long, right? Looking for that, looking for that destiny. Guess what? It is in our hands. We have the crystal ball in our hands. It is not cloudy. It is right in front of us. If we win, then we are in. We will stay in that number one spot. So let's just go win this damn thing. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.